Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you're doing well during these wild times. On the show today, we have two returning guests, Matt Clark, the strength and conditioning coach from University of Arkansas, and Chris Fitzsimons, the distance coach at Mount St. Mary's University. What we're talking about here is now during the empty season, which every single high school and college kid in America does not have a season, and potentially everyone else in the entire world at many levels will not be competing this spring or summer, and how to handle that. So Matt will cover in-home programming, the importance of continuing your strength work, and he'll also recap a little bit from NCAA indoors what didn't happen. And Chris, he's a distance coach, and he's going to cover this issue, obviously, from a distance perspective, and we're going to speak on mileage, um, simulating a season in some capacity, and how the roads are open. Many tracks aren't, but getting onto the trails and onto the roads and continuing some of your workouts. A random show note, this is an It Fits episode. This will be It Fits number 20, and the It Fits, Fitz Simons, Fitz, get it? Um, The reason this is a... it fits versus an episode is I'm not asking Chris or Matt about their personal story, but we're rather we're focusing on something newsworthy right now, a topic of today. So just wanted to explain that for some continued listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And here we go. Welcome to the Athletic Experience with your host, Tom Fitzsimons. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. It fits number 20. So as you heard in the intro, we have Matt Clark and Chris Fitzsimons, and the topics we're going over today is programming for an empty season, how to keep your crew motivated and engaged in the season that is not occurring right now. Uh, we'll go into some outdoor mileage with my brother Chris, in-home strength training possibly with Matt Clark, and then talking about results and trends we might see do this time off, whether it's a faster or slower cross-country season, more or less injuries, fresh bodies, injured bodies, weaker strong bodies that coaches will be, well, hopefully we, we're back to normal in the fall. Um, and so we have Matt and Chris. Matt Clark, he's been on the show multiple times. He's the strength and conditioning coach for the Arkansas Razorbacks. They just won the SEC indoor championships on both sides, and he's worked with athletes um, like Omar McLeod, Jerry Lawson, Clive Pullen, Olympians from the 2016 and unfortunately, there's not a 2020 Olympics right now, as we all recently found out. Uh, former decathlete, he's retired, uh, unretired a few times, just like me. Uh, he was in the 20, 2008 Olympic trials, and he's got baby number two on the way, so hopefully he can stay on the <laughs> line for a little bit. And then my brother, Chris Fitzsimons, he coaches at Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland. Uh, he's the 2018 NEC Coach of the Year for cross country, and he was uh, he was the youngest coach in NCAA D1 to earn that honor that year. And then he's an NCAA All American, a Big East champion while attending Villanova, specializing in the 800. So, Matt, thanks for joining. I know chaotic times for the world, and in the Clark household, you today was your your wife's due date, and no baby yet. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for having me. It's always great to be here. And uh, yeah, her due date was actually yesterday, but the little guy didn't want to come out. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just waiting. All right. Well, yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking out the time. So congratulations on winning the team title on both the men and women's side. And so tell us, what was the biggest surprise, if any, throughout the SEC uh, indoor championship this year? Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's the first time in a while that uh, that we've won both of them at the same time. First time in a few years, so that was that was a joy to watch. It was a big, uh, a big, I think maybe a relief for some of the the athletes who had been waiting for that to happen and working hard for it to happen. But uh, as far as surprises go, I you know I think um, in some of the prelims. Uh, when we were watching on on day one, uh, some of the prelims weren't as fast as we expected them to be. Now things heated up in the final, um, but with you know the last time we were at that track was watching uh, Michael Norman run 44.5 and Elijah Hall break uh, the American indoor 200 meter record. Uh, so there are high expectations for having an SEC meet there, and I think they. They held strong, but they're actually a little bit slower in the prelims than some of us expected it to be. Uh, but uh, overall, as far as our team goes, I think things kind of unraveled uh, pretty close to the way we we expected them. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, it was a, a battle towards towards the end, all the way to the end. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it went uh, how we hoped it would go. <laughs> Did it come down to the four by four on both ends, or was it decided a few events prior? No, it was decided uh, the event before that. I we were—I I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think we were up maybe twelve and fifteen points after the three k. Uh, so you know, if if you're up more than ten going into the four by four, you know you've you've got it in the bag. So that was the goal the whole time because. You never know what's going to happen with the 4x4. We've all seen a lot of crazy things happen. So uh, the goal is to be up by 10 going into the 4x4 so uh, so we couldn't lose it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I get it. So tell me, what was your NCAA situation? How did you find out? What Were you with the team? Were you in New Mexico? What was Arkansas's point of view on NCAA indoor championships being canceled? So it was... It was a crazy day. I mean, it wasn't even a crazy week. I think everybody was shocked at how fast everything unfolded once it once it started. But I, I actually, it was the first time that I, I haven't traveled with the team. So I was still in Fayetteville because I, my wife was getting close to her due date. So we sent uh, one of our uh, GA strength coaches with, and uh, I, I was just on the phone with him every you know, every hour or so just getting, getting some updates. Cause I'd get an email and, you know, they'd have a meeting, uh, at the track about what was going on, but I guess they had uh, a meeting prior saying that the meet was still going to happen. And then the, a couple of the conferences pulled out and the team started going home and they had another meeting that said, uh, the meet was going to continue. It was just going to be without those teams. And then I think, uh, what sealed the deal was when they announced that they canceled March Madness and then 
you know, within a couple hours, they reconvened and told everybody that the meet was done. And what, what's such a, yeah, I don't want to get into whether or not it was <laughs> the right call, obviously. with Well, I'd with love for you to do so, so please go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a really tough thing. To, it's not like it got called two days earlier when nobody had left, all of the teams were there. The meet was going to start in 16 hours and everybody had already, they'd gone through their pre-meet routines and their shakeouts and everything ready to compete and just have the, the rug yanked out from underneath you when you're, when you're already there, you know, these teams have already spent all that money to get, you know, transport their athletes and their staff and the meet set up. It, it was, everything was there. Uh, so it's, it's I get why it's <laughs> tough for it's tough for everybody involved, but to be an athlete who, you know, especially a senior who is uh, facing potentially their last collegiate competition, I, you know, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, on that I get you where you're saying everyone's there, and then what's what's the the change is now everybody gets back on planes and buses and Ubers mm-hmm. and takes everything back home, and whether that's tomorrow, I'm sure some people's travel plans had to remain the same. Like you're leaving in three days, anyways, so you might have been stuck in New Mexico for those three four days, especially if you got large teams attending. You know if it's Mm-hmm. If you got one or two athletes, maybe make a change. If you got thirty-five athletes on men and women's side plus staff, you're not getting out tomorrow. Yeah, I think it was it was a little bit different for every team, just depending on what their situation and their resources are. Uh, fortunately, we uh, chartered down there, so they were able to set up flights to come back uh, later that night, just after the night that they canceled. So, uh, they got back pretty quickly, but I know some teams <laughs> had to stick around for a little bit. And, and then, uh, the whole time, you know, as, as teams are waiting around, they're getting more updates on, you know, first it was the meet is off NCAAs are off or, uh, March madness is off. And then it was outdoors is canceled. Uh, not, a, not allowed to train for until April 15th. And, and then, no, no NCAA championships in the spring season at all. It was just <laughs> yeah. traveling so fast. Like every day or every to, 12 was, hours, something else. Yeah, like and it, was, added. it was like you didn't emotionally, you didn't even absorb one thing before an even worse thing was announced. So it was just kind of, it took a little while to, to grasp <laughs> what was happening. And then what hung on for maybe I forget, you know, every day seems like a week now, but if it was five days or 10 days in between, but it was NCAAs was on a Thursday, then three or four days later, NAIA followed suit. And then, but the Olympics were kind of that one that kind of still stayed out there. I remember when NCAAs canceled track town USA, put up a post saying like hundred days to go. And Mm -hmm. then like 96 days to go, they sent an email out to all coaches and, athletes saying like we're still full steam ahead and mm-hmm. maybe 10 once again I, I guess i really don't know like a week later now we hear about the olympics being canceled and what i can yeah. assume is basically the whole season yeah pretty much i mean who knows uh, as soon as you kind of reach a consensus on your thoughts on one subject you know the next day everything could be 
could be changed. So hopefully there are meets. I hope there's some kind of an outdoor season for, for the people that have already trained for it. But I, but yeah, I think that was as every, as all the, the dominoes started falling and I, people were asking about what was going to happen with the Olympics and by extension, the trials, I, I think it was one of those things that was in, I mean, in our realm, in Olympic sports realm, in the track world, it's what everybody was thinking about. But I get the the hesitation on the part of the organizers of those meets who have a pretty heavy uh, financial investment in, <laughs> in those things yeah. carrying on as normal and not trying to just fall prey to the kind of the heat of the moment uh, since the Olympics weren't supposed to be until the end of July and beginning of August to try to just sit back, take a breath and see if anything changed before they were forced to, but we'll see what the, the ripple effect is over the next year and, and really several years of postponing the Olympics for a year and, and what that means for everything else. Cause for track, you know, the, the new uh, Oregon stadium was supposed to host worlds in 2021 so conceivably when if the olympics are are now in 2021 that would either that would push back the world championships i would assume to maybe 2022 Um, so let's let's talk about this (laughs) because this is definitely not on the sheet but um have you heard about the potential for a spring olympics i i've i haven't seen anything seriously offered up out there but i've i've seen you know i've heard talk of it um since they didn't you know their announcement was that it wasn't going to be in 2020 but no later than than uh the end of 2021 so they kind of left the door open for it to be really any time during during that year i mean yeah there's a still there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into planning that um and obviously, I think you and I, our first instinct is to analyze it from a track perspective and what that means with a spring Olympics in the middle of the NCAA season. So, uh, yes, no, we're going down the rabbit hole. Let me, here's, <laughs> so here we go. So Let's do it. There's been offering, or so what I've put together and kind of pieced together is they said it's going to be, or no, when they said we're going to take those four weeks and decide it wasn't the fact that they didn't know if they were going to postpone. Like, I guess with every single thing in the world shutting down, they knew the Olympics were going to not be ready in late July, early August, and they need a need to postpone it. And then apparently a lot of people just think, Oh, you're just going to do it 365 days later, same schedule, same everything. And apparently Mm -hmm. I don't know what's stopping that from happening. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of every other professional sport, but I think World Cup qualifying, swimming championships, track and field championships, all this type of stuff that's already scheduled. And who knows what Japan has planned in Tokyo for 2021 that might be something completely different than obviously the Olympics is there might be a spring game, spring games, which so whether or not that happens, we're just going to. I want to talk through what that could mean. I've thought about the NCAA season. I've also thought about does Eugene 2021 also stay? If that's an August meet and you're going to have an April Olympics, could somebody be (laughs) 
Olympic champ and world champ in 2021. It's, it's so they could be an NCAA champ, an Olympic champ, and a world champ. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about some NCAA, I guess, issues. If we have a an April fifteenth, and once this show is not saying there's an April fifteenth Olympics, we're gonna find out in three and a half weeks or less when the Olympics are. But let's just say there's a chance because they say 2021. What would an April Olympics do to a high caliber NCAA season or, or team or athlete? So, okay, so got my <laughs> mind going in a lot of different directions. Here. Yeah, no. So one, I, of, one, one of the one of the difficult things was that qualifying for this Olympics, they had the new qualification procedures and the new standards. Yeah, and so we only have they didn't use those standards to qualify for Worlds in 2019. But the marks from 2019 counted towards qualifying for the Olympics this year with those new procedures. And so if you have the Olympics in April and you do not get much competition this year, you're essentially left with qualifying for the 2020 games that are being held in 2021 from your 2019 marks. So it's it's specific to track and maybe swimming, too where you have these uh, times and marks that you have to hit in order to qualify to be eligible to go to the Olympics. And then what's that mean for qual for like an Olympic trials? How do you, how do you host the trials for a games that are in mid April? Does that mean that the trials are going to fall in March when the NCAA championships are? So the, the, the outdoor <laughs> Eugene <laughs> in March, Yeah, that's what I'm not proposing it. I'm just saying, I'm not saying there's a 50% chance. I'm not saying there's a 10% chance, but I'm literally, I Googled it. And right here it says Thomas Botch considering Olympic games in spring. This is the guardian, the Tampa Bay times, the star. Like it's not just, it's. it's yeah. And I mean, that, that could happen because the, I guess the, the IOC is an umbrella over every sport, not just track no matter how inconvenient that would be for track and how it screws up the season yeah but i i yeah i mean there's a lot of uh, i don't even want to tackle that beast as a <laughs> no as so a, an organizer because the ncaa season i i don't i don't know if if they would change anything it would be i don't think they could i know i don't think they could <laughs> so here's I, once again potential Here's what could be happening is in we get word in the next three and a half weeks that the Olympics is in April or May, which means we're having a February or March or maybe early April trials, which for for pros is their season needs to start in February outside. Obviously, you can do some stuff indoors and all this and that, but for qualifying for the trials because the season is gone like you said to get into the trials you need a mark in the last two years are we going to be seeing january and february decathlons and open ones and 400 meter hurdles from i like it, it's messy yeah, as i mean can you, be. you could and and i guess it, it would depend a little bit on whether or not uh, this summer ends up having any meets or if that stuff's going to be canceled too. Cause if, if we get through all of this and we're still able to hold, hold some decent competitions through the summer, then at least you've kind of regained some of those lost opportunities 
uh, that you lost, you know, throughout throughout the spring and all the spring meets being canceled. But, uh, you know, one thing that it would be, it'd be, and no matter how it plays out, it's going to be strange, but you could have the indoor, the NCAA indoor championships. And when, like, Texas Relays is kind of that end of March, beginning of April period, if the Olympics were in May, you could have a trials that weekend the people who make the Olympics probably aren't going to do a whole lot of competing. They just get ready for the Olympics. Those who don't, who are in the NCAA, just continue with the normal NCAA season. And you'd basically have <laughs> the Olympics occurring <laughs> the same time as like the conference meets. Um, but you kind of <laughs> no. pulled out all the qualifiers. And so they're kind of running parallel to each other instead of one long, endless season. Yeah, no, it... So. it- it's could it would be, be weird. It could work, I guess, but it's could be weird. Uh, but yeah, I think that's one of the the main complaints from athletes uh, when I they were deciding to postpone the Olympics is that they weren't having they weren't going to have adequate time to train and prepare for them at the level needed in order to qualify. So I think two things need to happen. One is adjustment of qualification standards. And this is just talking about track, you know, I'm, I'm yes. not privy to how <laughs> other, other sports choose their people, but uh, an adjustment of the standards, if we're losing significant parts of the season and those competition opportunities and I, uh, I, uh, you know, a, a close eye on, on how are you going to, inject opportunities to compete in January and February uh, and, and just strange times of the year in order to hit whatever the standards end up being if the meet gets shifted early. So I don't think mo- moving the Olympics into April or May doesn't solve the problem of the athletes not having competitive opportunities assuming that they still lose them over the summer, you're shortening the season. So they've, they still lost a lot of opportunities. Um, hopefully they get better, better, uh, opportunities to train, but that doesn't mean they're going to be able to compete if all these meets are canceled. So, yeah, I saw, I, uh, this is probably a, a big part of the report that I'm missing right here, but I forget if it was USA or just in general, all Olympians that have qualified will hold on to that qualification until next year. Uh, obviously track and field has not qualified anybody. Um, mm-hmm. well from team USA and people have hit the A standard last year, but like we said, that'll expire. So yeah, and that's could well, even with, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt what I was tricky about that is if you read the, the fine print um, with the new qualification procedures is that after a certain amount of time, uh, you lose because it's on the point system. You start getting deducted points the longer that it's been yeah. Uh, yeah. achieved. So, so even if they said, okay, we're going to go ahead and allow your mark to count towards the next, to, towards this postponed Olympics, do those marks continue to get the degradation of points according to the way that they've already, uh, started to deduct them because then even if you allow the points to stand as qualifying, they're still being reduced every month. Yeah. 
if they're from 2019. <laughs> no, I, I know so exactly what you're talking there's about. A yeah. Serious, there, yeah, there's a serious adjustment of standards that needs to happen um, to accommodate a, a potential Spring Olympics and just lost lost opportunities. I think it's two-pronged, lost opportunities and diminishing training venues. So, Yeah, uh, we'll go on to some strength stuff, but before we do, <laughs> cool. I just so people don't think Matt and I have lost our minds, I'm just looking up NFL season potential postponement, and that's all over the news as like just a question, not saying it is. So with that, if the NFL season might get pushed back, I don't see how 300, 400, 500 person track meets are going to you know start cranking up anytime yeah. soon. So meaning this season's kind of lost. And then if you look up Olympics in the spring, once again, it's not saying it will. There's no percentages or anything like that, but it's just it needs to happen in 2021, period. That's not mm-hmm. – so it could be 12 months from when it was scheduled. It could be six months, could be, you know, uh, 14, 15 months and super late. But uh, spring games is the one that is – has the most steam behind it right now mm-hmm. huh. so man that's gonna be weird <laughs> so now that now that we've alarmed people and they think it would be doing uh full-on outdoor meets in december here we got to get ready so here's how we're getting ready let's, so, get, let's get back on track yes <laughs> um let's talk about the importance of continuing strength training so a lot of athletes now even if the olympics are in 12 months or the ncaa's and everything stays the same that way and obviously most athletes are training for high school or ncaa and not the olympics but some are you know doing all of that they need we're missing these these two to four months what are some of the effects that are going to happen over these next five months if athletes just take that time completely off from a highly trained athlete to somebody that might just say my season's over but they are coming back in the fall what what are some issues we could run into with uh with lack of training here well it kind of it depends on on the athlete you know the the degradation of uh some more endurance qualities uh might be affected a little bit more than than some of the strength and power ones, but uh, it kind of depends. You know, if you had a, a guy or a woman who is pretty dinged up at the end of the indoor season, a little time off might this might actually serve them well uh, to help heal up and and psychologically give them a, a little bit of a break from the monotony of of what an in season looks like. Uh, but an individual like that has to have has to be pretty highly motivated to take time off and then come back and get back to it when it's when it's necessary to and not just uh you know kind of maintain laziness and and fall prey to the situation but i but yeah i if if i you know with with all the tracks and the weight rooms being closed if they don't try and do something i it's it's going to be a rough fall for, for everybody i think <laughs> i think what you could end up having is a a pretty competitive cross-country season conceivably these distance athletes could could still go out and get their their mileage in like they normally do 
but they're not going to have the wear and tear of the indoor national meet and then the whole outdoor season and then, you know, potentially summer meets for some of the higher caliber ones going straight into the cross country season. So, um, yeah, I think it could end up being a pretty highly competitive cross country season. But one of the tough things is all the coaches are forced now to uh, to write training programs for athletes that they can't really coach. You know, all the all the facilities have been shut down most places, and uh, uh, now you're not allowed to keep track of who is and who is not doing them. So it's uh, it's just kind of write the workouts, give them to them, send them on their way, and hope they do them. Uh, did you say you're unable don't. to because it's difficult or you're unable to because that's NCAA mandate right now? It uh, started off as it's difficult and now it's a mandate. So explain to me the mandate. I'm not familiar. Uh, well, there's just there's there's uh, certain times of the year when uh, training is required to – it's called voluntary um, uh we call it voluntary, but NCAA has a different name for it, but it's basically countable and not countable, uh, athletic activities. And, uh, depending on the category that it falls into, um, coaches have limitations on whether or not they're allowed to be present, whether or not they're allowed to keep attendance and that kind of thing. And so now, uh, since all the, 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 spring season has been shut down facilities have been closed pretty much everywhere uh coaches aren't allowed to keep track uh basically keep attendance and and be present um unless it's you know there's certain certain sports and activities that have a hazard uh kind of attached to it that coaches are allowed to be there for like if someone's throwing javelin and or, or Olympic lifting, they're allowed to be there to to lower the, the injury risk. But uh, for the most part, they're not allowed to be there and keep track. So it makes it it makes it tough. Uh, the, it started off as just like what I did was I, I didn't know who was going to have access to weight rooms and who wouldn't and where they were going to be. So I just kind of created a flexible training plan that had uh, here's what we're going to do if we're in the weight room, if you have access to a weight room. This is before all the gyms and, and stuff started getting shut down. And then an alternative plan uh, that we're as close as we could get if you had to do stuff on your own at home. And that just kind of meant getting creative with maybe putting all your books in a backpack and using that as your weight um, and finding spaces where you can put your foot up on a couch and do split squats and I, uh, uh, you know, just things like that, kind of trying to get creative and still get in the movements that we needed to. Um, so I wrote up a plan like that and other coaches have, I know I've done the same and, and basically just sent it out and said, hope, hope you do it. <laughs> so you're just not able to, you can, are you allowed to send anything out at this point or is it like past a certain date now that you're not, that's like kind of changed? Uh, it's, I, th I think it's starting next week is when that stuff's going to be implemented. So, um, this whole time, you know, we've been able to keep up with them and everything, but it's just with how fast everything has evolved. Uh, they're just new 
new rules are being <laughs> updated continuously. There's a dead period for recruiting too. So coaches can't recruit because, because of all of this. So, wow. So, yeah. so let's just say for me, um, if I wanted to get inside the Arkansas, uh, weight room and obviously I can't, but now last week you write me a program, how I just like going over a few things. Like if you wanted me to do a power clean, what in the world are you kind of writing up? What are you having these doing rocket jumps with a loaded backpack? What are, what are ways you're keeping like power clean esque movements and, you know, strength development? What's a substitute there and what's how, how ridiculous have you written something or how simple is it? Yeah. And there's, there's some, some people who have kettlebells or maybe a few dumbbells and stuff on their own. So, a good tool for power is kettlebell swings, uh, jump squats, uh, you know, the rocket jumps. So really those are the key things, uh, that I just tried to work in as replacements. So obviously we, we left power cleans in if they have access to a weight room or some, some variation of a clean they had access, but, uh, it was weighted squat jumps with preferably dumbbells, uh, kettlebell swings if you had them. And if you didn't have any of that, then it was, uh, you know, fill up two gallon jugs and do squat jumps with them or, yeah. uh, uh, hold those while you do some like speed split squats with your foot on a fireplace or on a, on a chair that's locked in or on a couch or something like that. There are ways to, to do it. It's just, you know, you have to, you have to be motivated and consistent with it when you're in an environment where you don't have that structure anymore. So, uh, you know, a lot of athletes went home with, uh, classes being all online, uh, not just here, but everywhere. Uh, and so they're in a totally different environment without that, that schedule and that team structure. So, I uh, there's, there's ways to get it done. And, and, you know, maybe that's one of the differences between, uh, exercise and training, you know, you can, we can do stuff to keep people fit, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be ready to hop on a track and compete. It's, 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 it's just different. Uh, and we can try to get as close to ideal training as we can, but at some point we're going to have to get back to what we were doing before when we actually want to start competing. Yeah, no, got it. Understood. What is Arkansas's, um, state right now? Like here at Westmont, the kids are not coming back. It's all online the rest of the semester and graduation has been canceled. Is it pretty much the same thing at Arkansas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they moved everything online. Uh, our, our athletes were told that they were allowed to, uh, they're allowed to go home if they wanted to. Um, they left, uh, certain essential services, uh, remained open on campus. And uh, the, I mean, the stuff is still continuously evolving on that front, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm assuming graduation is canceled. Uh, I actually haven't heard on that yet, but everything's online the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, even I'm not supposed to go into the weight room. So <laughs> none of the athletes can get in there. Yeah, uh, we saw sure. you uh, on Instagram, back flipping, front flipping, and every other type of plyo you could figure out in that backyard waiting for yeah. your second child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ground was was squishy so i just went with it tried to get some leg stuff in so what's your but, uh, what's going to be your go-to backyard workout since you can't even get into the weight room well i've got 
I've got a pergola that I built a few years ago in our backyard. So I've been using that for pull-ups and hanging leg raises. And I, I, I try to stick to kind of a, a basic skeleton, you know, uh, foundation of movements that I like, and then just try to get creative with, with new ways to either add speed or add volume or add intensity to them. So uh, I've got that, that I've been doing the pull-ups and hanging leg raises on, and then I've got some bands that I use for, uh, like seated rows that I'll attach the band to something, uh, pull apart, you know, a lot of accessory shoulder buys and try stuff you can do with the band. And then I've got a rear foot stand and just kind of a little board with wheels that I can do hamstring curls and split squats on. Uh, so a lot of split squat, single leg RDL, uh, hamstring curls. Do you program your stuff literally <laughs> like you would anyone else or do you just go out there and wing it some days? I go out there and wing it most days. Okay. <laughs> Let the brain relax a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the things when you've been doing it so long, you get a pretty good idea of, uh, I, I have general goals that are written in pencil and then every day kind of a general goal as I start. And then I just adjust as I go based on how I feel. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, it's not too much of a deviation, but I'm always adjusting as I go. Yeah. But, um, I think the biggest thing is you might not see movements with a barbell, but we're still trying to get close to that style of, of work. So, you know, the, the flips and that I did in the yard, but, uh, any sort of plyo where you're moving fast and then, uh, where you can't add intensity, add speed or volume. Yeah. So. So if you were, uh, we'll close out with this. If you were to speak to any high school athlete that may have, you know, years left in high school or maybe they're headed to college and then any college athletes that still have eligibility and, you know, obviously it's, they lost their whole season. It's pretty unfortunate situation for competitive athletes. Uh, some form of like my encouragement would be like, you got to get out there and do something, but from a scientific um, point of view and just from, you know, you being head strength coach at Arkansas, your point of view and your experience talk about just the importance of making that time. Yeah. Uh, I, the last thing you want to do is let the, let the situation, uh, dictate to you how you're going to move on from it and move forward from it. So it doesn't have to stop you from training. It just means that you have to adjust, adjust the training. And I think one of the worst things you can do is just shut down. Uh, cause you're going to dig yourself a, a big hole. You know, you have to keep, keep moving some of those strength and power qualities. They may lessen a little bit, but they'll remain latent. <laughs> and when it's time to go again, you'll get them back a lot quicker than if you just shut it down and stop. So, you know, you want to find a goal, even if that goal may not be immediate, uh, immediate competition, find a goal that you can train for and just work towards getting better at it. And then when it comes time to start thinking about competing again, you're going to be, uh, much better off than if you just shut it down. Um, and the other thing that I think is cool is like for, uh, especially high school seniors, you know, there's talk of, of collegiates actually getting back their a year of eligibility. Yeah. Um, so you could have, have some seventh, seventh year, uh, <laughs> red, red shirt, 
slash medical hardship slash corona hardship my seventh year seniors next year um but for high schoolers they don't have it's not going to be the same thing so i utilize resources to try to get noticed if you lost your season and be be proactive in trying to contact coaches because you know it's not just you that lost the season it's the entire senior class so um if that means i sending out letters to coaches you've never met if that means putting together highlight videos of previous races whatever you got to do if you're wanting to compete at the college level and you lost your senior season utilize social media to your advantage and uh, be proactive fully agree man thank you very much uh yeah and then good luck with baby number two on the way very soon appreciate it thanks for having me on again all right and on the phone now we have chris fitzsimons hello there what's up What's the word in Emmitsburg? Have you been kicked off any public running trails by the police this week? Uh, no, just just tracks and and fields. <laughs> tracks and fields. That's what we're talking here. So we just got off the line with Matt Clark. Um, he obviously programs for strength and power events. He programs for every event, but he's the strength and conditioning coach. And now you're a distance coach, and your athletes are uh, obviously more worried about cardiovascular strength, heart rate, and mileage. So with the streets being open and uh, able to uh, publicly distance themselves, athletes able to do that, what is your focus for your athletes this spring now that the entire season is canceled? Uh, I'd say that what I was basically trying to get across to everybody is step out the door daily. Uh, It doesn't really have to be crazy specific uh but basically putting in the work while at the same time you're questioning every day what you're doing if you're compromising these kids immune systems during a pandemic but the uh basically kind of like to feed off of what matt was saying you always do need that speed power component so you are missing a lot of race efforts i think the most important thing to me that i'm worried about the kids missing i'd say would be the competition where some kids haven't raced since February, and the next time they race is going to be September, October, where that's a long layoff to, to not compete. So when you're programming or, like you said, get out of the door, is there is there a program or a general theme? Like do you – obviously, if they're missing those race reps, you'd – as a coach, you'd want to see them get those race reps. What's How are you trying to get that across these next five months with without seeing them any at all? Yeah, what I – uh, I was talking to a few other distance coaches to how to go about this since we all are kind of in the dark and also don't really know, but I attempted, uh, for the, for like the 800 mile guys, it's pretty simple, right? You, you make them do like, I've, I've made them do like three minute tests, two minute tests, uh, stuff like that, just to see how far down the track they can get in the time allotted. And about every 14 days they're doing that for until the spring ends and it'll, it'll conclude with a, an actual 800 time trial. If hopefully, tracks are open at that point um but for uh this past weekend if you're kind of a mile 5k guy you had a 300 test for or th- sorry three minute test so for uh, my really talented guys they're trying to go 1200 meters or further um for my mid-range developmental guys they're trying to go uh in between i'd say 11 try to get to about 1100 meters and see how close they can get to 1200 um 
where my true 400, 800 folks, they're doing a two minute, uh, sorry, they had a 90 second test. They're trying to get beyond 600 meters in 90 seconds. Um, where with someone like, uh, Will Merritt, he, he was supposed to be lined up for a good 10 K here in about two weeks. So, uh, I think I'm going to have him do if he has the availability on a, on a trail, not a track, kind of a towpath to do, um, a 20 minute tempo at, at a hard sustained effort to see if we can basically mimic a, a 6k, uh, probably, I mean, he'll go beyond 6k, but, uh, uh, kind of a cross country type race for this time of year. With a lot of tracks being closed down and obviously some are open, but that might be high schools or middle schools or public tracks that are kind of just unmanned or unsecured are you relying more on like trail runs and like gps watches or these guys getting on actual 400 meter distant tracks uh i've been leaving it up to them because i've i've gotten a few texts where kids have gotten kicked off tracks i mean we uh my roommate training partner and then my future wife have gotten kicked off of multiple places in the past few weeks in regarding to training so they're all getting kicked off as well um but the Basically, I just try to get across, like, if you can find a soccer field to do and try to, I mean, most of the kids have GPS watches, which makes it very simple. Um, switch your watch to kilometers and walk a 400 and lay down some sticks or cones and you can you can figure it out. Um, you just got to be a little creative in that aspect. But uh, for the most part, I think a lot of kids have still been able to get on tracks. Obviously, in the coming weeks, I think that's going to change. But um a lot of a lot more hill work this time of year that I wouldn't normally be doing. Um, obviously, you're sharpening, getting ready for outdoor sessions. Something you would do kind of in the winter time. Uh, just a lot more aerobic power work, stuff like that. Um, but basically, yeah, we're just trying to stay fit until we can get word that races are available. So I'm not sure how often they're in the weight room normally do during a competitive season, whether it's weight room or just body weight work in the weight room, general strength. Has that, have you encouraged an increase in that? Have you just encouraged keep it the same, say it's two days a week normally? Is it just staying two days a week or are you using this living room general strength with a whole lot of time on their hands opportunity a different way? What's the call there? Yeah, uh, it's hard to track obviously um per every kid i we have a team group me i actually recently sent out some uh some body weight circuits that i filmed and put together on iMovie they're pretty uh campy and amazing i'm sure they'll (laughs) make fun of me and mock me for for how i looked and uh, having a dog run around in the background but um basically i think this is a great time to work on your weaknesses um i've really been trying to get that across where like if you're if we have stability issues, especially pushing off grass, then you got loads of time to work on that and not worrying about being flat for any races. Um, you can on, uh, what would normally be like a prep day, like a Monday regular run, maybe some steady state at the end and some strides. You can come back, come back and do stability stuff and hip work for, for a while and not be worried about being too flat for the workout. Cause it's at this point in time, we're just putting in work. Um, I don't, we're not really too, concerned about being ready for a for an all-out quick 800 or a mile um but and then in terms of actual weight stuff i've tried to like in the videos i had uh two chlory uh bleach bottles um just anything you can find in your closet i know if you go to most 
grocery stores, there's water. Uh, there's no water nowhere to be found in terms of gallon jugs and things like that. So whatever's in your house, you can use to add some resistance or load um, versus just body weight stuff. Yeah, that's what Matt Clark was saying. The same thing, filling up gallon jugs and then even like backpacks with tons of books. No one really mentioned a brick or anything, but I'm sure cinder blocks can go a long way if you had those in your backyard or anything like that. Just taking it that extra level instead of just body weight. Yes. I mean, it also with that stuff, I feel like it comes down to like how bad do you want it? Agreed. Yeah. Right. Um, like there's going to be a lot of kids across the NCAA here who suffer drastically from this time off where they're probably stepping out the door every day and getting their runs, but they're laying down on the ground and either stretching or doing nothing watching TV post run where if uh, the kids that need their hand held a little bit more, you're in, you're in a group in the weight room immediately after doing band work, PT work, like uh, rehab work, things like that, where the kids who want it are going to thrive in this. The, they're going to, like I said before, fix fix all their imbalances and work on the things that um, we don't get that much time to work on if we're trying to get be prepared to race day, uh, week in, week out. So with all this time off and you said, you know, maybe we get tracks back open in three, four, five months, maybe somehow there's not. We talked with Matt earlier about how the NFL could be delayed and whether or not any of that's true. Um, you know, this could be, let's just say school starts as normal, but you don't see these guys until about August. And I guess it could go either way. It depends on the kid. Like you said, uh, depending on their motivation levels, do you think this is going to be a fantastic 2020 cross country season or do you think this is going to be like a rough one where like maybe your two or three guys hit it and they're running well and maybe your four five six seven guys just fell off what or and which way do you think this cross country season could go for the entire ncaa yeah for the entire ncaa i feel like it'll it's gonna be uh similar to like uh the employment rate here it's gonna be uh a lot of people are going to still have money and a lot of people are not. Um, the basically, I think the really good kids are going to have very, very successful falls. Um, hopefully we are able to run this fall. Um, personally, I'm not too optimistic on that right now, the way things are looking, but, um, obviously you gotta, you gotta keep doing your thing to, because there might be an opportunity that will arise, whether that's in late August or late October. Um, you got to be ready to race no matter what. Um, but yeah, I mean the, I do think, I mean, not much in terms of, I think what will change is a lot of these kids say that would normally have a summer job, won't have availability to work this summer. Um, so they will be all in on running even more so like a lot of most kids in the country cross country wise throughout the summer, you're running depending on who you are. I mean, 80 to hundred miles a week, some, some universities more, um, where the difference is if you're a lot of these kids also get summer jobs to help supplement paying for school and things like that. Um, but if you don't have availability to work due to this pandemic outbreak, you're what is going on right now is going to continue. Um, whether that's the kid that are, is going all in, is going to keep going all in and keep getting better. And then the kids that are just going to be doing the bare minimum and they'll probably struggle, uh, this coming fall. Hopefully the math has more of the kids going all in, <laughs> but, uh, that's uh, two references about the economy there. One figurative and one literal. So <laughs> yes. 
How about recruiting as a coach with the SATs canceled, junior year canceled? I know you guys can uh, recruit out of like a senior's cross-country season and sometimes even their indoor track, but a lot of the seniors doing track and field, you're not getting recruited off your your May time or your late April time. It's probably all set. So what what's happened in, in uh, for you personally in terms of trying to recruit next year's season has it been what have the changes been yeah the um, i recently put out i don't tweet much but i recently put out a tweet about this about how if if my junior year doesn't happen i don't know if i'm sending this tweet as a division one college coach um it definitely set me up differently and and gave me some opportunities that i wouldn't have had if that season didn't happen um so that does that does make it hard but it doesn't mean that it's not possible i think you're gonna i think a lot of mid-majors are gonna find a lot of diamond in the roughs the kids that were running two flat as sophomores and probably should have ran one 150s as a junior but didn't get that opportunity um and they they end up at a mid-major school rather than a, a power five school um i think you're gonna see a lot of that um because it is just most most as a sophomore, what are you, 14, 15? Most 14, 15-year-old males aren't running crazy quick at that point. Um, usually you see the big jumps their spring of their junior year where uh, it always seems like to me high school women run a little quicker early on um, and maintain where the high school men usually get – it's to their advantage to wait longer. Even in the recruiting process as a senior, um, you have kids always waiting till the spring of their senior year to pop something off to get – a higher scholarship offer, things like that. Um, so it is definitely playing a major part in in recruiting. For right now, nothing's really changed. I mean, the kids we've been talking to since the summer are still the same kids we've been talking to. Um, so we're just trying to cover up those ends and, and get those kids in here as the, uh, as the year comes to a conclusion. Um, but in terms of, I think it's going to be a little different, a little weird coming into next fall when you're recruiting a bunch of people off of their sophomore year times since they missed out on their junior year yeah i about the junior year part for you for myself and i don't want to ruin it but i think the next podcast or the within the next month i want to put out a show that is if i didn't have my junior year your your story my story and then i'm trying to find someone else that same just like you said like did track as a sophomore popped off as a junior and then that butterfly effect of the school they went to, the scholarship they got, the people they met, and where they are today, all because of three months at 17 years old. And Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's not to be too doomsday, but it's kind of scary. I mean, I I ran, I could, ran 202, 203 as a sophomore in high school, was getting cut from the 4 by 8 relay on my high school team. And <laughs> the 12 months later, I was running 150 point and was, one of the top recruits in the country. Like it's just a, in 12 months, a lot can change um, where, and I mean, I think the good thing is, is that hopefully this all does pass and those kids will get that opportunity. I mean, they will, whether it's indoor of next year or whether it's outdoor next year, if you're that talented, you're going to run those times and then you're going to get what you deserve. Um, like I, I think it'd be, especially now to this day and age and the, the transferability, a lot of kids, it's easier to transfer, which is great. I mean, kids should be where they want to be. Um, where you, I think you see that a lot throughout the answer delay when kids run well and don't get what they think they deserve, they bounce. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but which isn't which isn't a bad thing. Yeah, and then in ter- also in terms of this junior year for athletes that have lost it, I guess I don't know if I'm going into the next podcast. But what I'm trying to do with some two athletes that I've been working with for a few years that are juniors is almost give them like a combine and some stats and figures. And if they send it out to coaches and communicate that, like they have a verified source, whether it's a 300 meter time trial, 45 second run test. And, and then for sprinters that play football, which is one of this one kid I work with is like, you have an opportunity to not peak into your fastest in May, then go take time off and then try and reset the whole thing. Football players, in high school that have a senior year have a unique opportunity to train and be fresh and fast leading into training camp or week one and week two, instead of going through this double peak. And I know they're young and it's, you know, easy to take a month off and come back, but it's, it presents different opportunities for these kids. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I think if you're looking at it, the glass half, full perspective i mean even i'm sure otas are going to be canceled here pretty soon all these um like antonio brown should be probably working on his 40 not trying to catch balls and cause issues off field Um, (laughs) the that could be said 12 months a year but yes yes exactly four 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 ab yeah um but even the high school like you got you have spring ball uh, or not sorry not spring ball they still have spring practices across the country in every high school um, that are definitely canceled or will be canceled. Um, so it's like a time if you, yeah, if you, I mean, if you have anybody who can lead you in the right direction and you're able to get on a grass field or a track, um, you can definitely work on putting power into the ground and getting faster. What's communication, or I guess not what communication has been with, you already kind of said that where athletes that you've been talking to since summer you're still talking to or since winter you're still talking to, but if you're a junior athlete and you just lost your season, what would you encourage a recruit? Doesn't have to be distance, just in general, coming from uh, a D1 college coach. What would you encourage that sophomore or junior that just lost their entire season to do in terms of communicating with coaches? Uh, I mean, I'd say start early. I think it's always good to start early. Where I think uh, we are, the recruiting process is getting earlier and earlier it seems every year and when, what i mean by that is i mean when you and i or when i what am i four three four years younger than you three and a half uh, yeah when uh like coaches couldn't talk to you basically until july one of your going into your senior year where now all that is lifted i mean i can email anybody basically from sophomore junior year it's very obviously if you're a sophomore it's very limited the mo- the main group of people we talk to on the phone are still seniors um but now like the the rule has been lifted where i could call a junior right now and talk to him all i want to do once a week um hopefully that's the correct rule i might get in trouble here but uh the but the i know i mean i know you're allowed to talk to juniors now so in terms of i mean what recommendation i mean reach out to coaches and tell them who you are a lot of especially a lot of schools like the mount um we're looking for people who are going to fit our team culture. Obviously we want you to run as fast as possible, but, uh, being a good dude and being in on the mission is, or a good female that is too, is good is, chicks. Uh, welcome as well. Yeah. Chicks. Welcome as well. Uh, <laughs> the is always a good part. I mean, I'm sure the, the higher end schools, uh, 
character is definitely a big part of it, but I think if you're fast, they're gonna allow a lot more, um, of whether you're in on that culture or not, that might be a ridiculous statement, but, uh, I think it'd be better to talk to somebody like, uh, I mean, to probably actually Tim Nickus now at Mason would probably be better to talk to a little, uh, basically about how his recruiting has changed from uh, a place like Matt Samaras to a place like George Mason. Um, but uh, in terms of what to do, I mean, I think keep training because you're going to get your opportunity eventually, whether it's this fall or next indoor, hopefully the sooner the better. But um, like if you were ready to run fast this indoor, you're going to be ready to run fast next fall. Running's running. Yeah. And for anybody that I think you covered it just fine, but if anybody – thinks you were calling shots or anything about if you're fast or you're on a team. It's just, we'll look at any pro sport. And if Odell Beckham was the 15th best player on his team, except instead of the number one wide receiver, you wouldn't put up with it. So it just, Correct. it goes at any level. If your, yeah. if your performance outweighs your antics, well, welcome to the team. There's no reason to lie to the people here, Tom. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just making sure they don't think <laughs> yes, you're, that everyone gets, you're calling yeah. somebody out. It's just, yeah, no, it's definitely your, yeah, if you're Derek Rose didn't yeah, take his SAT. That's correct. <laughs> like correct. this is what we're talking about. So, yes. all right. So as we close out, I just want to know how your warmups have been lately. <laughs> so for anybody who uh, wants to get. Tom riled up, bring up a outside magazine article on warmups. Um, so, so what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this? All right. My thought is why did I waste time reading it? Why did you waste time writing it? Not you. Um, outside magazine is called your warmup doesn't matter as much as you think. And well, I think it does, but so it says for endurance athletes, new research suggests that Different pre-race rituals, even no warm-up at all, give pretty much the same results. And they cite cross-country skiing and cycling, which I just hated because we're talking about something where you delete the calf and the Achilles. And we're talking about like putting your foot on a pedal or putting your foot on a ski instead of wearing like a three-ounce spike. Um, running through a grass field. I think those are a little bit different. And if there's no eccentric load, like I don't care what that study says about warm-ups. Like don't relate it to running if you're not going to be going up and down hills or around a track on your forefoot the entire time. What else did I like about it? Um, the uh, So I, I kind of disagree. I mean, I think there is there is that load going on. It's just It's just consistent. You're always in the same position right where if you're right if you're on a on if you're running cross country it's going to be varying like the, if you're talking about like achilles and shin angle um i'm not going to go scientific because i'll look like an idiot probably but uh the i mean it also i think it just i mean by the end it was it was definitely a clickbait headline i yes. feel like because by the end which is why by the I end, he it. says i'm not trying to advocate to end warm-ups but just basically saying you know, it might not be as useful as you think it is um which, I mean, I always thought, uh, I mean, one of the things that Marcus O'Sullivan, my college coach, always told me, which I thought was one of the most poignant comments of all time, was that you should be afraid of the guy sweating on the line, on the start line at 800 meters, where, like, you need to be ready to freaking go 
for a half mile where before he's not saying that to Pat Tiernan before 10 K though. Like you need to be warm, but you know, you don't need to be your central nervous system does not need to be fired up and ready to go out in 25 seconds for the first 200. Um, like you would in an 800 where, I mean, even talking to him, he said, obviously the, the warm up is, is less of the thought process throughout that day. Um, before, uh, before a race like the half marathon or the marathon, but you still need some type of waking the legs up and activation drills, things like that. It's definitely less emphasized, but uh, you still do need to kind of wake the body up even, or even go to the bathroom prior. Yeah. So you're talking Pat Tiernan, who was a part of the breaking two where Kipchoge broke two and he is at four thirty-four mile pace. He's going out, 68s yeah like, 68s don't, ain't slow i don't, don't care who you are don't tell me you can just take off you can wake up have an english muffin some coffee get to the track put your shoes on and then just start taking off in 68s with zero prep and so it's like i just it was just such a roundabout article it's like you shouldn't do it here are all these studies here's the science by the way not saying you shouldn't warm up um and it's like, what, what is endurance? He talks about something being three and a half minutes long. He talks about something being 20. But then at the highest level where Kipchoge is breaking two hours, we, you're telling me he doesn't need to warm up and he should just, it's, it's wasting his time. He's going to be too out of shape if he spends 20 minutes shaking out. Yeah, I mean, I also think a lot of these research article or these research studies are not on high-end athletes like the you're not you're not testing when you're doing these group tests testings you're not testing someone like Kipchoge you're testing your five your weekend warrior 5k person which yeah I'd probably argue they don't have to warm up like if you're if you're running a four-hour marathon a quit don't ever run again (laughs) and then b you don't need to warm up Um, or even, even in the tour, like they, most of those stage, most of the stages, the first hour of the day, they're all, they don't, they're all warming up into it before they either, if you're trying to be, if you're trying to win the, the stage, then yeah, you're, you're a little more primed by the end. You're, you're, if you're racing over a hundred K, but, uh, most of those recovery days, they're just floating along, not much warm up unless you have a time trial to stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think the article could have been renamed because you're not competitive your warm-up won't help you or like because you're not in shape for your own race your warm-up will pull your energy like i agree yeah with all that i just so i don't know why i mean he he brought he also brought up the psychological part of it where like what you think is going to help you is going to help you um which once again means it's purposeful and which once again means why did you write this article (laughs) 100 percent. yeah i just just try to I don't like whatever your body needs to feel ready. Do. Yeah. I I just, I just don't like long articles with a lot of sponsored (laughs) ads on the side that come to zero conclusion. And after reading it, I just become frustrated versus educated. It like homies, homies trying to get paid. It's tough out here. (laughs) This, This economy. Well, I hope what Chris Fitzsimon said about, recruiting and contacting coaches and getting out the door and putting the work in and what Matt Clark said about 
continuing your training and putting your body under uh, loads and stress demands is extremely helpful for everyone listening right now. And I would recommend warming up before those <laughs> endeavors. Chris, man, great talking to you. Uh, thanks for joining. And I think if you liked Chris right now, you might hear him again soon on if I didn't have a junior year. And then what I want to do is get someone else to come on the show. One of my thoughts right now, Chris, is Craig Kingsley. I'm not sure what nice. he threw sophomore year and junior, but I'm, no one gets recruited off their senior year jab throw. I mean, some people do. but And so if you have a story where you think your life is completely set up differently because of your junior year in track, email theathleticexperience at gmail.com or just uh, find it on Instagram at athletic experience and you can DM me or comment there. But if you lost your junior year, how your life would be affected. And then what I think I also want to provide on that upcoming show is more ways athletes right now can uh, find a good way out of the situation and keep in contact with coaches, keep their, keep progressing and stay in shape. But Chris, thanks man. All right. Later. We're out of here.